Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here as we begin a brand new week. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, we've got really big shows coming up here in the weeks ahead. I just want to give you a little teaser about what's coming up. You know me, Park will join us here on Thursday. On Thursday, we'll do a little bit of a deconstruction of the Republican debate, which is happening at the Reagan Library in California. Wednesday night, tomorrow night. Uh, So we'll do a little bit of a breakdown on that. But I mean, I have to say, I can't imagine any news being broken in that debate. Nothing really substantial is going to happen. Donald Trump is so dominant. We're going to get to that later here today. Uh, But he's so dominant, not just in, in the Republican field, but going up against Biden, again, we're going to talk about that, that, you know, these people who are going to be on the debate stage, it's nice that we're going to hear some conservative and popular uh, policy positions being debated and talked about. That is all to the good. We love airing this stuff out. We should be having these conversations. But in terms of who is going to be the next Republican uh, nominee for president, uh, I think that race is over. So when I see people talking about these Republican debates, the race is on. Actually, no, it's not. It was begun and ended a long time ago, but okay. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about that on Thursday, and we'll give you an update as to a potential government shutdown, too, which could happen because the government runs out of money as of Saturday. Uh, And, of course, hair on fire. Nobody, I I don't know. I'm the exact opposite. I liked my stuff done ahead of time. Sometimes I procrastinate like everybody. But for the most part, I like knowing when my stuff is due, getting it done early as much as I can, not having my hair on fire, not being in a giant panic. But of course, politics is completely different. This is why I am not in politics. This is why I have not run for office, because I would literally want to tear my hair out dealing with this kind of process and this kind of thing. The Republicans are in control of Congress. They knew that September 30th, the end of the fiscal year, was coming. They knew that back in January when they were sworn in. And yet, here we are, a couple of days away from a potential shutdown. Why did you not get your ducks in order? Why do you not have individual spending bills ready to go and be voted on? All of the promises you gave us, oh, they can just stuff it. Okay, stuff it. Anyway, on Thursday, we will, we will continue with that. 
with that theme. And we're going to be joined, as I mentioned, by Yunomi Park, who is a defector from North Korea. And she has some things that she wants to tell us about her experience being born in North Korea, growing up there to the age of 13, uh, at which point she fled and went into China, not much better. And she's going to tell us about that experience. And then eventually she came to the United States. And man, does she have some warnings for us. How far down the road to communism are we? She is going to tell us. That is going to be a conversation you do not want to miss. That's coming up here later in the week on this show. Next week, we're going to have some laughs because if we don't laugh, we cry. And there is no crying on the Monica Crowley podcast. We're going to be joined by a great comedian who's absolutely hilarious. His name is Ami Kozak. Ami, A-M-I, Kozak. He is going to join us. He does unbelievable impressions, including the one that grabbed me, I've, I discovered him on Instagram. So when he is a huge star, I want everybody to say, oh, Monica Crowley discovered him. <laughs> okay. Because I literally did on Instagram and I reached out to him. He's going to be here. He does a killer Prince Harry. He does a killer Jordan Peterson. He is just hysterical. He's going to join us. Also next week, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna, who is a true fighter for freedom, America first. She's incredible. She's going to be here. And then later in the month, we've got the phenomenal legendary actor, John Schneider. We're going to have Liz Wheeler join us as well. So big shows coming up here. As always, later today, I want to tell you what a treat we have for you. A phenomenal actor, Matthew Marsden, is going to join us. He is British. He is now an American citizen, loves this country body and soul, big star of movies like Black Hawk Down, which I'm sure you have all seen. If you haven't seen it, rent it, stream it, put it up on Netflix, watch it. It's just a a great, great movie. He was a huge star in the UK, came to the US, immediately got cast in Black Hawk Down, has been in Rambo, has been in so many movies. And he decided, for his children's sake, to stand up for freedom, to fight for America against all of these communist influences, globalist influences. Um, His Twitter feed is amazing. He's just incredible. He's going to be here in a couple of minutes. And again, this is a conversation you are not going to want to miss. I promise you. But first, the Monica Memo. There are bombshells, and then there are bombshells. Over the weekend, we got a bombshell poll from none other than ABC News and the Washington Post, not exactly bastions of conservative populism, not exactly Rasmussen, right? Not exactly those kinds of polls. ABC News and the Washington Post, they poll together. And a couple of months ago, I guess midsummer, they put out a poll that showed Trump pulling ahead by a couple of points, pulling ahead of Biden. Well, the poll that they released over the weekend was even more shocking because it showed President Trump leading Biden by a staggering 10 points. 10 points. That in and of itself is mind blowing. A 10-point lead, 
assuming this is accurate, and again, this is way out, this is 13 months out from the election, we know they're going to engage in fraud, we know they're going to try to steal this thing again, they've got so many things set up for that. But if you take this poll at face value, and you see that Trump is leading Biden by a whopping 10 points, that 10-point margin is beyond election fraud. That's beyond what the fraudsters can do. Now, the fraudsters have a lot of magic tricks in their bag, including some that we probably haven't thought of yet, but they certainly have. But even 10 points, very difficult to overcome with fraud. So they're going to have to work a lot harder next time to try to overcome Donald Trump's lead. Now, when you dig into this poll and you really start to examine the crosstabs, you can see even more breathtaking data here. And this is even more catastrophic for Biden and the Democrats in general than maybe anything. Donald Trump leads Joe Biden among independents by 13 points. 13. And Biden also, and this is critical, this is what has the left like absolutely flailing. When you dig into the um, demographic breakdowns in this poll, Biden is hemorrhaging support among core Democrat constituencies. He is hemorrhaging support among black voters, Hispanic voters, women voters, and younger voters. Gen Z, not too psyched on the ancient fossil Joe Biden. All of these groups are critical to a Democratic win, and they are all souring on Biden. This is why both ABC News and The Washington Post both tried desperately to distance themselves from their own poll. They were all, we're not even sure if our own poll is accurate. Well, we must have overpolled Republicans here. Oh, the methodology is all wrong. Pay no attention to the poll behind the curtain. What clowns did this poll? Oh, we did. Don't pay any attention to it. Absolutely laughable, predictable, and pathetic. You know it must have killed them, literally killed them to put this poll out. You know that there was some internal debate at the Washington Post and at ABC News on whether or not to kill this thing. Just bury the poll. Let's pretend we never did it. Well, if they had done that, it would have been a much bigger story because it would have been leaked. So they had no choice but to release the poll, which probably was gut-wrenching for all of them. And then when they published it, all hell broke loose. Over the weekend, all hell, I mean, the left wing readers of the Washington Post and the left wing viewers of ABC News, they went bananas. How could you do this to us? No, no, no! Crying at the sky, shaking their fist at the sky. How could God do this to us? And they put the screws to ABC and the Washington Post, which is what these flash mobs on the left do. They create these mobs and they put pressure on people to get canceled, change their tune, whatever. And that's what they did to their own propaganda organs. And so that's why you saw this massive rush to like couch the findings, um, try to water it down. It could be an outlier. 
Well, yes. I mean, a lot of these other polls show the race either even or Trump up by one, maybe two. Ten points is is up there. That's for sure. But is it an outlier? Or is it maybe a little closer to the facts than what they want to acknowledge? Hmm. Well, a couple of things about this poll. Number one, it demolishes the Trump can't win a general election lie. Number two, it destroys the independents won't vote for Trump lie. Third, it's going to be used by the left and their power brokers to bounce Biden. Their pressure is going to ramp up uh, all the time. Bounce, bounce, bounce Biden. Get him out. You can't run this guy. (laughs) I mean, even if this poll is off by a couple of points, it shows the trend moving in Donald Trump's uh, favor by a significant margin. So they can't run Joe Biden and they can't run Kamala. So now this is where we are. But this poll is going to be used as leverage to get Joe Biden out of office. And the fourth point here is... This poll is sending the election fraudsters into a panic for the reason that I just said, which is it is beyond the margin of fraud. They're not going to be able to overcome this. By the way, the number one issue in this poll, Biden's worst issue is immigration. Illegal immigration, an out-of-control border, number one issue. It even trumps the state of the economy and out-of-control inflation and gas prices, things hurting all of us every single day. Immigration was his worst issue. So talking about these spending talks and a potential government shutdown, the House has one shot, one, to crush Joe Biden on the border and stop this mass illegal immigration, mass resettlement of illegals all over the country. They've got one opportunity to to do that, and that is deny all funding for the releases of these illegal immigrants and their resettlement. Just defund it. Dollars for detention and deportation only. This should be a clear red line for every single Republican in the House Money only for detention of illegals and their deportation. Nothing for their release and nothing for their resettlement. The fact that we even have to say this is outrageous, but that wide open border, which, you know, they keep, they keep letting happen on purpose to flood the country, change the country. I've said this a million times, but it bears repeating here. When you're talking about communist radicals of the kind running our country right now, they will willingly take two steps forward and one step back. Do they appreciate more being in power? Of course. Do they ever want to lose power? Never. And they will lie, cheat, steal, kill, do whatever to retain power. But if necessary, they will lose office now and again and take that step back, if it means moving the country further to the left over the longer haul. So this wide open border, it may cost Joe Biden the election. It may cost whatever Democrat they run the election next year. That's assuming, you know, it's a clean election, yada, yada. But 
if they have to lose, think about what they have gained over these last couple of years. Eight, nine, 10, 12 million, nobody even knows how many millions of illegals have come into the country that they can then move into citizenship, voting, you name it, and change the very balance of power in the country so that you will never again get a Republican president. We will be a one-party state, which is, guess what? Communism. So that's the objective. Eye on the bigger prize. That's how they do it. Eyes on the much bigger prize. And look, they may look at Joe Biden as disposable. Like, okay, we got this corrupt, decrepit puppet in there. And for four years, he opened the border, collapsed law and order, swamped the country with illegals, destroyed the U.S. economy. Everything we told him to do, he did. Excellent work, puppet Joe. And now we've got to deal with another chapter in this movement of the country, what Obama called the fundamental transformation of the nation. They will gladly take progress toward that that end, however they can get it. So this is why we are where we are right now. Very interesting dynamic. (laughs) Very interesting, Um, which is also why Joe Biden is not going to be at the top of the ticket for all of these reasons, but they've got to move him out. Now, uh, a couple of stories here on Mrs. Clinton. She's back. (laughs) Um, I know she, you know what? The Clintons are like a bad toenail fungus. No medicine ever works on toenail fungus, right? She just keeps coming back. And Bill is just like this bumbling whatever he is right now. He's a blob. But Mrs. Clinton is a deep state menace who belongs in prison for the rest of her life. But unfortunately, she will never go because the system protects itself. So the Clintons are back on the scene with the Clinton Foundation to launder money for Ukraine. The Clinton Foundation where the donations immediately dried up when she lost for president in 2016. Now the Clinton Foundation is suddenly back. Oh, look at that. Oh, what a wonder. The Clinton Foundation is back because Bill and Hillary sense a great grifting opportunity. They're going to help rebuild Ukraine. Our tax money is going to go to the World Bank and probably the IMF. And then that money gets laundered to the Clinton Foundation, which then launders it after Bill and Hillary and Chelsea take their cuts. Then that money will go into Ukraine. But where? We don't know. Who knows? Why does that money have to change hands so many times? Because the Clintons and others need their cut. Mrs. Clinton apparently has been giving Joe Biden advice about 2024. I mean... Would you take advice from that woman? I wouldn't let that woman boil water for tea for me. Joe Biden is listening to her apparently, and she expressed deep concerns about a potential third party challenge to Joe Biden. Remember, in 2016, when she ran against Trump, the Green Party candidate, Jill Stein, took enough, you know, you only need like 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever it might be in any given year 
to siphon the, those votes off. And she's really worried, I guess, about Bobby Kennedy, who's polling, what, between 16, 18, 20% of Democrats. So if he, like, flicks off and runs as an independent or on some other party platform and he gets 1%, 2 3%, well, Joe Biden is sunk. I think, you know, based on these trend lines, I think he's probably sunk anyway. Again, assuming a clean election, which is a big assumption. But she, a source is quoted in the story about Mrs. Clinton's warnings to Biden and his team that it's pretty effing concerning. That's the quote according to a source. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they are really going to have to work the fraud in ways that they have never worked it before. It's going to be a true Heavy lift. Mrs. Clinton also um, is like putting some warning things into the water on Putin because, of course, that's their really big lie. The big lie is the big lie that 2020 was a straight-up election. But if you go back one more cycle to 2016, Mrs. Clinton cannot abide the fact that she will never be president when she gave up her entire adult life and subjected herself to so many humiliations at the hands of her husband just to be president. And she was trumped, not once but twice, once by Trump and the other time by Barack Obama. It eats her alive. It eats her alive. So she has to continue spinning these lies, particularly about 2016 and Trump and Russia, I mean, it, it was from her diseased mind that we got the Russia hoax. It came from her and her campaign. Plunged the country into a nightmare of a, of a lie. All because her ego couldn't take losing to Donald Trump. She had to spin it for the history books. Not that she's an absolute unlikable loser and, and crazy leftist maniac whom everybody despises. No, that could not be the reason she lost. It had to be Vladimir Putin. So she makes up the lie, tears the country apart. Doesn't matter to her. Well, she is back on the theme of Putin and Russia. Listen to her. She did Jen Psaki's show on MSNBC over the weekend. Anybody watch that show? It's, it's just wall-to-wall lies and propaganda, so I guess there is an audience for that. But anyway, Mrs. Clinton went on that show, and when I want you to hear Saki's question to her about, well, you know about Russian influence firsthand, and then listen to Mrs. Clinton's response. Go. Vladimir Putin uh, has obviously your friend, your friend and mine. Uh, he has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024? And do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't think despite all of the uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. So that is his opus, uh, uh, you know, his his opus operandi in the sense that he hates democracy he particularly hates the west and he especially hates us 
And he has determined that he can do two things simultaneously. He can try to continue to damage and divide us internally, and he's quite good at it. Mm -hmm. And sadly, he has a lot of apologists and enablers uh, in our own country, people who either don't see the danger or dismiss it out of hand or maybe agree with some of the uh, you know, positions he's taken uh, on certain things, including uh, his barbaric invasion of Ukraine. And so dividing us and then trying to seize territory uh, in such a uh, brutal way to try to expand his reach, to try to restore the Russian empire, if not the former Soviet Union, that is who he is. Mm -hmm. I said that for years. Part of the reason he worked so hard against me is because he didn't think that uh, he wanted me uh, in the White House. So we are where we are, and part of the challenge is to continue to um, explain to the American public that, you know, the kind of leader Putin is, this authoritarian dictator who literally kills his uh, opposition, kills journalists, poisons people uh, who disagree with him, invades other country, interferes with our election. Um, that is part of the alternative we have to reject in this election. We have to reject authoritarianism. We have to reject a kind of creeping fascism almost mm -hmm. of people who uh, are really ready to turn over their thinking, their votes uh, to want to be dictators. And we can't allow that to proceed. So I think it's I think it's fair to say that, uh, y you know, you have a tough job because you have to talk about what's happening in the news, but you also have to keep people's eyes on what's right behind the horizon. And I fear that, um, you know, the Russians have proved themselves to be quite adept at interfering. And uh, if he has a chance, he'll do it again. Ah, so the lies are not just in the past, the lies are in the present and in the future. She's almost like laying the groundwork for a Biden or Democrat loss next year, again, assuming it's a clean campaign, um, but she's almost laying the foundation for uh, a loss to Donald Trump again by saying, well, Putin is up to his old tricks. Lies, just, just blanketing everything with the lies. 2024, Putin's going to steal that election. No, y'all are going to steal that election like he did last time. All right, one final story here before we turn our attention to Matthew Marsden, the actor who is just incredible. Um, speaking of corruption, and this has a tie to Joe Biden, the most corrupt president we have ever had. This involves New Jersey's senior senator, God help us, Robert Menendez. So Menendez has been in office for a very long time. He was in the House before he was elected to the Senate in the Garden State, and he has now been indicted and accused of grave corruption. Um, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. When you read the stories, uh, about $500,000 in cash found stuffed in his safe, his jackets, his closet, probably his shoes. Uh, so just cash everywhere in his house um, and in closets and drawers and things like that. Um, plus, the allegations are that he took about $150,000 in 13 gold bars 
and Googled at one point, how much is a kilo of gold worth? I mean, how dumb are you Googling that? (laughs) Are you kidding me? There it was on his computer. Also, apparently he got a Mercedes Benz. He got exercise equipment and even air purifiers. Okay, so this guy was totally on the take. But here's the kicker. He already beat one corruption rap back in 2015. A New Jersey jury let him go. And the jury was probably all stacked, too, with Democrats, and they were all probably paid off. God knows what happened there. But he walked. He walked on a case where he was charged with taking improper gifts and doing favors for Dominican women and all this stuff in exchange for big, big money and protecting wealthy uh, New Jersey and Florida businessmen. Well, in the current case, it's about helping the Egyptian government. I guess the question here is, Is there anybody in Washington not taking bribes on behalf of a foreign government? That group, I I mean, is that that group is probably very small. Now, I grew up in New Jersey. My mom is still there. I love the Garden State, so I can say this. New Jersey is one of the most corrupt, if not the most corrupt state in the union. New Jersey political history is a graveyard of deeply corrupt liars. Robert Torricelli, Jim McGreevy, a number of the ab-scam criminals, Robert Menendez, so many at the state and local levels, names you probably wouldn't know, but they're just, they're everywhere in Jersey. It is a sea of corruption. So many of them are just swimming in it. Menendez was just doing what he knows how to do, and that's be corrupt, be on the take. That's what he does, and everybody in New Jersey pretty much is doing it. So that's, those are the waters he swims in. He got away with it once, so he figured, why not keep going? Guys like Biden and Menendez continue their corruption even after being caught. Why? Because they can. Democrats have full institutional control and the protection of the press. So they keep going until the left's power brokers decide they have outlived their usefulness. Then it's lights out. You're seeing that now with Biden. You're seeing it with Menendez. Menendez, as corrupt as he is, okay, Menendez... Uh, is of Cuban descent. So he is pretty much an anti-communist. He's disputing Biden's approach to Cuba. And he's disputing the new Iran deal. You know, the Biden team wants to resurrect Obama's Iran deal. It's a horrendous deal. It's going to put nuclear weapons in the hands of the mullahs in Tehran. And Menendez, to his credit, was standing up to it. Ah, can't have that. Gotta go. Got to go. This is how they operate. The Menendez corruption is like garden variety corruption. It's like JV, junior varsity, right? I mean, it's bad. Obviously, he needs to go to prison, but if it's true, but it's garden variety, it's JV. Keep your eye on the varsity corruption team, the Bidens, and their massive 
years-long international corruption spree. That's one of the big reasons why his polling is cratering the corruption, along with the disastrous Biden economy, the wide-open border, the collapse of law and order. I mean, chaos in every direction, right? There is one more reason why they're going to cut Joe Biden loose, and obviously it's his senility, but it's also his patent racism. I want you to listen. Over the weekend, he was giving some remarks somewhere, and he was referring to the rapper LL Cool J. He muffed up his name, and then he said something really racist. Roll it. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, he got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been. And MC Light, both of you, thank you. Because they both have the light off on the mic, you know, you're, uh, you're all here to listen to the new edition. Mike Bivens, 40 years producing music that lifts our souls. Not the first time Joe Biden has referred to an African-American male as a, quote, boy. Can you imagine if Donald Trump had done that? Any Republican, any white Republican, Biden is skating, but the left's power brokers understand he is skating right off the edge because they are going to push him. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to turn to the phenomenal British actor, Matthew Marsden, who's got some incredible things to to tell us about his own journey and the sacrifices he has made in his acting career because he is America first um, and the passion that he has for this country that has adopted him and given him tremendous gifts. The biggest one of all, of course, freedom. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. Sit tight. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, I want to turn now to the nexus of politics and pop culture because they have long been intertwined, but now they're basically one and the same. And the conservatives in the entertainment industry, um, if you are a conservative, if you are a populist, if you are an American patriot, well, all of those things can spell career difficulty or even cancellation, denying you the ability to work in the area that you love and the area that you have been trained to do. We have talked to a number of prominent actors and others in the entertainment industry about this disgusting phenomenon, including Jim Caviezel, Kirk Cameron, Kevin Sorbo. And today, I'm absolutely thrilled because we are joined by another exceedingly talented actor, 
who has suffered the fallout of being a conservative in entertainment. Matthew Marston is a British actor, singer, and producer. He started his career starring in the huge British television show Coronation Street, after which he moved to the United States and found stardom here in films like Black Hawk Down, one of my favorites, Tenet, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, and TV shows like CSI Miami, NCIS, and Reacher. His website is MatthewMarsden.com, and on Twitter, he is at Matthew Marsden. And man, he has got a Twitter feed that is on fire. So if you're not already following Matthew, get there, Matthew Marsden on Twitter. I'm so happy that he's here with us now. Hi, Matthew. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, well, it is absolutely wonderful to have you here, and thank you so much for your your time and your willingness to to speak out on uh, your background, but also on politics and Hollywood, and maybe later in our discussion, we could talk a little bit about the strike and also your career. But we do have a lot to cover with you, um, because you've had this incredible career in film, television, and music. You're a successful singer, too. Um And now, you know, you've had this other journey as politics has infected everything. So I want to start with your story, Matthew, because you were born and raised in the UK. Can you talk about growing up there and the kinds of values that you were raised with? Sure, yeah. My my absolute pleasure. Yeah, I was raised in the UK. I always say I was raised in Mordor because the area that I... uh, that I grew up in was actually where Tolkien-based Mordor on. It's a very industrial area. My mom was a single parent, um, but Catholic, we'd go to mass every week. Uh, my mom, you know, it's one of those things, she always kind of like instilled in these, these ideals in us, I think these Christian virtues in us. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I basically was growing up in a very working class area, had no real prospects, I don't think, if the truth be known. I think uh, many of my friends went off and went into the military. It's not, it's very different over in the UK than it is for here for the guys going in the military, which which is something I really got to understand a few years later when I did Black Hawk Down. But over there, uh, very often it's, I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to go in the military and get a trade, whether that be in the signals or whatever. And that was something that I was looking at. But on the other side of things, I had this dream. I loved Hollywood movies. I loved America. I didn't know why. And again, I found that out a few years later, but I didn't know why I loved America so much. And I watched this little movie called Rocky where – this underdog who worked really, really, really hard uh, could become the heavyweight champion of the world. And that really inspired me. So, you know what? Whatever I've been dealt, whatever cards I've been dealt, I I can overcome that by getting my head down and working really hard. And it just so happened that I had the dream of being an actor and I was pretty good at it. So when I was around 14 or 15 years old, I got into something called the National Youth Theatre, and that is... It's kind of like the elite of the elite uh, of young actors. And so I got into that, and that certainly opened a lot of doors because in, in contrast to America, the great and the 
the great thing about America and the negative thing about America as far as the entertainment industry is concerned is that you can walk in and become a star. And you don't necessarily have to have any training. You can become this giant star. And that's a great thing as far as opportunity. But on the other side, you don't have – there's a lot of people in the industry that don't haven't really worked hard at it or they, they haven't got any basis in training. Um, so, you know, like I said, it's a positive and a negative at the same time. So anyway, I, I went and did a degree in performing arts – um, at Middlesex University, first person in my family to go to college. And I actually dropped out uh, in classic, you know, actor style, dropped out before the, end of, I got, before the end of my degree program because I was getting work. And as you said, I, um, I got, firstly, I got on the third, my first audition and first job was the third biggest show in the UK. And then I was on that for three months, left that show, um, and then I, um, I got a show called Coronation Street, which is the biggest show on British television, and what was at that time. And to give you some kind of an idea, uh, the show would get 19 million viewers in a country of 55 million people. So uh, uh, that was it on each episode. So it was just a giant, giant show, and it, it transformed my life overnight. And if I was honest, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. Um, you know, I'm always very compassionate of these young kids that, I say young kids, I was older then, but still, you know, you look back as a 50-year-old, you know, I was just a kid, and I wasn't really ready for the success, I don't think, um, that I got from that. Anyway, again, I didn't want to rest on my laurels. I won an award there at that show, and then I left, had a recording career with Columbia Records, where I, um, I sang with Destiny's Child with Beyonce. And then I came... Uh, I did a movie, Michael Caine, that got me a lot of interest from American agents. And they came over and basically brought me to America. And the first movie I got within a few months was Black Hawk Down. Okay, I want to stop you there. I want to stop you there because you've had this incredible career and we're just at the beginning of it. But something you said really grabbed me, Matthew, when you said, look, you know, looking back, uh, Coronation Street is a huge monster British hit. And, you know, you're this kid, suddenly you're starring on this massive television show, and suddenly you're everywhere in the UK. And you said, looking back, I wasn't really prepared for it. I am fascinated by by that kind of level of fame. Um, that is, yes, it was centered in the UK, but when you're on a show or a movie that that's that big, you know, suddenly now your face is everywhere, your name is going literally around the world. You said you weren't really prepared for it. At that young age, did you have a support system while you were on that television show? Before you come to the US and start doing movies and you're a little bit older, when you were doing Coronation Street, did you have a support? Did you have, was your mother around? Do you have siblings, your agent, your friends? Like, were they there for you? Or did you really feel like when you were hit in the face by this massive fame, did you feel, because fame can be a very isolating thing. And I've told the audiences, my very first job out of college, I worked with a former president of the United States, Richard Nixon. And he and I used to talk about this. And he said, Monica, you know, I I still am one of the most famous people in the world. When you're president, you literally are the most famous person in the world. And he said, 
it is so isolating because everybody assumes you were surrounded by all of these people. And he said, usually the people coming at you want something from you. They're not really your friends. You don't know who to trust. And he said, so you, while everybody knows who you are, you're almost totally alone in many ways. Did you find that in the early stages of your fame? You know, that's probably the most insightful question I've ever been asked in my career. Seriously. I mean, because you're right. I mean, you're entirely right. You are, you know, it's that kind of thing where you're in a room full of crowded room of people and you feel alone. It was, it was a very strange thing because I would, I I had my family, you know, my mom, uh, my sister, I have an older sister who is one of the greatest human beings in the world, and and they were always there for me. But as you know, you get put in these very, very strange situations that you, you're like, like you're saying, sitting there talking to Nixon, you're like, hang on a second, like, what is going on? This is, this is just weird. Because you see this person on television, you know about them, and then all of a sudden you're with them and you're talking to them, and I don't think... It wouldn't be you wouldn't be a normal human being if you didn't have these like out of body experiences. When you look as an actor, you think certainly in England anyway. My pursuit was to be as good as I could be in what I did, and a side product of that is you become famous, right? It's not the the goal wasn't to be famous. The goal was to be the best at what I did and progress. Um, up the totem pole, as it were, um, to be better and better and better. You know, uh, th- there's a filter system. A lot of people say, well, why are British actors so good? Well, there's a filter system. You have to go and get training. Then you normally go to theatre. And then if you get good at theatre, then you go through to TV. If you get good at TV, then you go through to movies. And then if you're really good, you get through to American movies. So there's a filter system. Um, and that's why... The American audiences, for the most part, where they'll go, well, these British actors are great. It's because a lot of them didn't make it, right? Like that only the best kind of made it through. Um, so, but it, but to go back to answer your question about that, yeah, 100%, like, be careful what you wish for, right? Like you think that that's what I want to do. Look, I want to say this as well. As an actor, and I look at the majority of that, say 90 of actors want to be loved. There's some kind of hole in them that they need validation. Okay. And this is coming from someone who I recognize that now in my life, whether that was because I didn't have a dad in my life, probably, you know, I wanted to be validated by other people, which as you know, is a complete disaster, especially in the entertainment industry. It's like a complete recipe for disaster. So I certainly think there was that. And then what happens is you go on a show. So I, that show was shot, I think, six weeks ahead, right? So you, you were six weeks in advance. So every day I'd get up and I'd, I'd walk out the gate to the studio and I'd walk up the street and I'd get my sandwich uh, and I'd walk back and nobody cared. And then the day after my first episode, I went to do the same thing. And this is what I'm saying about like not really grasping the enormity of it. And I walked out. And I couldn't get out the gates. Mm. I just, that was it. There was no more walking out the gates. There was no more going to a store and being left alone. Um, all of a sudden, 
you're in the crosshairs of the paparazzi. They want to know what you're doing. I mean, the show was so massive. And so, yeah, I felt very alone. Um, and I think that's why a lot of the times you see relationships in Hollywood where actors will date other actors because they kind of understand that, that loneliness. But the other thing that I was very naive about was that, oh, my agents love me. You know, they're great people. They're my friends. You know, these people that are asking me to do jobs, they're my friends. And it's only years later that I look back and I'm like, I was just a commodity for them. That's all I was. I was something to be bought and sold. And I was successful so they could sell me. And that's kind of hard, especially if you want to, you know, for me, naively, I, I always remember Michael Caine saying that he stayed with his agent from when he was very young all until his agent died i was like that's what i want because i'm a i'm a person i love loyalty right I, I love that i love relationships and and i thought that that's the way it was going to be for me and it it wasn't and so yeah i was extremely lonely extremely lonely and i hadn't really you know i'd been raised christian but i went away from the faith you know it was a very squishy a very squishy formation in the faith, even though I did go to the same school, oddly enough, that Tolkien went to, which was the oratory in Birmingham. And But I just had a very, very bad formation in the faith. And that would come back later on that would give me um, the foundation that I really knew. It was that kind of hole, that hole inside you that gets filled, right? You realize that it's got absolutely nothing to do with... Um, being famous or money or any of those other things, it can't be filled. So, yeah, no, 100% I felt lonely. You know, thank you for sharing that uh, that whole experience, Matthew, and for being so vulnerable and so honest with your answer there because, you know, I've asked very famous, famous people that question and they had the same response, which is, you know, you, that that's a really insightful question because it, we're all human beings and yet we're in this secular society that really values, puts a premium on fame, even, even more so now than money. And, you know, what you were saying about acting, I think, too, there, there's a new TV show, a new season of American Horror Story, and apparently, I don't watch it, but apparently Kim Kardashian has a role on this show. And the episode, I guess the season debuted last week, episode one, and Kim Kardashian is, is rightly getting roasted because she cannot act, okay? So it, it's a whole craft. It's an art. It is artistic expression. You need to be trained. And they're just throwing her in for the name to try to drive eyeballs to the show. And while I understand that from a marketing perspective, etc., it's almost like fame for fame's sake, fame more important in many ways now than money because of social media and everything. But it is a... It's a very seductive part of the secular world. And this is why so many rock stars, actors, models, you know, you name it, anybody who's sort of in front of a camera where they're getting validation from strangers, millions of strangers around the world, they succumb to all kinds of things, alcoholism, drug abuse, substance abuse, 
uh, self-harm, suicide, you name it, because what you just said, the spiritual part of the equation is missing. And they've either overtly made a deal with the devil for fame and, and money, or there there's this hole in them and they're searching for things to fill it that cannot be filled without God. Yeah, 100%. It's funny because I can look at my career and and look at when I started getting back into my faith and it's, you know, you can correlate it, right? You can look and you can see, well, the more I got into my faith and the more roles I turned down, I mean, clearly when you turn down roles, obviously you're not in the limelight, but um, the more, for example, being open to life and once you get over three kids, you know, people are looking at you like you're a complete religious maniac. And I have a bunch of kids, right? So I can look at the way the trajectory of my career and I can see how it started dropping off or people started paying a different kind of attention to me, right? When I started going down that route. Uh, and I think, look, I mean, it's, it's a really horrible thing. And this is why you see, I think you see it in politics a lot. You look at people like Diane Feinstein and, and even Mitch McConnell and, I'm like, don't you want, or Biden's a classic example of it. Why aren't you playing with your grandkids? Like, do you want power? Is power that important to you that you want to be up there in, in your 80s, like not knowing? And, and for that matter, you look at the wives and you go, why are you allowing this to happen to your husband? Aren't you going to set, step in and protect them uh, as being in the union? You're going to try and take someone like Joe Biden who clearly isn't all there. I take him out of the limelight, but they're so they're so fixated on power. Um, I mean, I have no idea why. Like I said, I mean, when I'm 80, I hope I'll be playing with my 150 grandkids or however many I have. You know, I'd love for that to be the case. But you see in Hollywood, like, people are desperate. You see with Madonna, I mean, she's constantly putting herself out there. And I'm like, you are a, an older lady now. What are you doing? Like, why are you so desperate to be loved all the time? Like, why do you need the attention? It's a really bizarre thing for me. And certainly, as, a, as I said, as a British actor, all you want to do, like, all I wanted to do in my life is just to do a good job, like, to go out there and play these roles. And, of course, it's, it, it, it is painful at times when you can't do that. And you can't do that just because you might think differently to the other person. And I think that's really heinous. I think it's it's such a horrible thing. Um, but that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And and um, unfortunately, though, a lot of conservatives kind of like shrug their shoulders and go, well, you know, that's the culture. And I'm like, no, but you have to be engaged in the culture because you can do whatever you want to do uh, within your own house. But at the end of the day, especially for parents, your kids are going out into the world. And there's, like you said, Kim Kardashian I mean, this is a woman who was famous for doing a sex tape, right? I mean, let, let's just be honest about this. I mean, yeah. that, that's what she was famous for. And now, I mean, whether we like it or not. So my, the projection I got when I was growing up was that America was the home of Rocky, was the home of Rambo. Now people growing up say America is the home of the Kardashians. The culture is super important and dismiss it at your peril. And now... Like, I, I try and tell my conservative friends, especially in Texas, I'm like, what are you going to do when Matthew McConaughey runs for governor of Texas? Right? What are you going to do? Because you know, he's been – what people don't understand is Hollywood spends about $3 billion every year 
on publicity, right? And that is movies, normally the actors in the movies because they're the most bankable things and that's why they're in the films. And so if you have an actor that's been at the top of his game for a long time, they've had billions of dollars of promotion for years and years and years and they have name recognition. And that's what I said to my friends about, about Trump. When Trump said he was going to run, I said he's going to win. And they're like, oh, and that's ridiculous. I said, look, you do not understand the power of celebrity mm-hmm. and the power of the entertainment industry. It is, it is massive. And you can't just ignore that, right? You can't just ignore it. You have to understand it and be able to utilize it. 100%. And as you're talking, you think about Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the biggest action movie stars of all time. And there's a recall in California and Schwarzenegger runs as a Republican for governor of California and he wins. That is the power of fame. And it's very seductive. Everybody falls into it. I mean, I follow, you know, a number of celebrities on, on Twitter and Instagram. I get it. I understand it. You've been there. You are there. Um, but it takes a very centered person like you to understand that this is all ephemeral stuff. And, and as, as much as I, you know, appreciate, uh, listen, money, uh, nice shoes, that seems to be my my big vice there, Matthew. Nice nice shoes, but we understand that we're living in this world. But when you understand that that's not really what matters in the end, it's your first. It's your your faith, your family, your health. I mean, you can be the most famous person in the world. You can be Kim Kardashian. If God forbid tomorrow she got a diagnosis for which there is no cure, that that's the end. And then what? Right. So, I, you know, it takes a certain spiritual maturity to get to that point. Many people never get to that point. But this is one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, because you've long been at that point and you are so centered and you, you approach your profession, not for the fame you never have, but for the craft, for the work, for the artistry that goes into superb acting. That's different. Um, I, I want to ask you about, because you mentioned the culture, and this is why I have conservative actors like Kelsey Grammer, who's a good friend. I've had Caviezel on, Kirk Cameron, I mentioned them, uh, Kevin Sorbo. Um, if we want to change our politics, we have to change the culture. The two are working in tandem. They're working together. Uh, the late, great Andrew Breitbart famously said, it's one of my favorite quotes. He said, politics is downstream from culture. So if you want to influence or uh, change our politics and how bad and toxic and corrupt it all is, you have to also, perhaps even more importantly, focus on the culture. And that means supporting content like you're putting out, Matthew, and family-friendly and faith-based kind of content. But how do you see that relationship between culture and politics? Well, I mean, it's clearly inseparable. Um, I want to I want to go back to something you said as well when we're talking about the greatness about conservatives in the culture is that there is a desire for truth, right? There's there's a real desire for truth, and I think that that's what brought me more and more. Um, 
to be more political uh, because as an actor, I always had a desire to find out what was true, whether that was, you know, why is America great? Why is the story, why does the story work, right? And what we have right now is a really unique, um, a unique time in history in that we have things that have never happened before, right? We, we, people say, oh, well, you know, the fall of Rome and all this. There's never been an instance in history where people have said that a man can be a woman and have not been ridiculed for, for saying such a thing. Well, that's where we are, right? So we have all these massive entertainment um, apparatuses, whether it be studios or or uh, streaming services and all this, they're all geared towards the leftist agenda, which is pushing a narrative that is untrue, fundamentally untrue. And it's just got more and more emboldened all the time. Now, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it's just Netflix, I'm going to turn it off, or it's just Disney, I'm not going to watch that. But America has always been, for me, the shining city on a hill. And it is it is that from many, many people all around the world that look to the United States as this beacon, right? There's a reason why people are pouring over the border, right? There's a reason for that. Whether, you know, of course it's ridiculous, but I understand why they're doing it because they look at America as this place where you can achieve anything you want to achieve and that it's a fundamentally good place. Like, and I, I always say this to my friends in Europe, like Americans are fundamentally good people. They, they are. So... What you have is what's the quickest way to move a political agenda? Well, it's to infuse it in films. Because once you, let's just say, Monica, we're sitting, we're like, hey, listen, we've got this agenda we want to get out, whatever it might be, and we're going to promote this political candidate to push this agenda. That's going to take a long time. You know, you know, you've done that. It takes a long time to get that done. But you can put it out in a movie. And guess what? Stallone said to me when I was doing Rambo, just before one of the takes, he goes, remember, this is forever. Mm-hmm. And it was, I just remember that. And I'm like, wow, that's just a huge statement. So you put something in a movie, you only pay for that message once, right? But it's played forever. Mm-hmm. So you've got people all around the world looking. I remember speaking to someone in Malta and they were like, oh, friends. But I I, I was talking about friends and I said, friends, that's not the way America is. And they looked at me like I'd said something completely outlandish. They thought that American culture was like friends. And I'm like, "That's, that's not the way it is. That's not the way Americans are. So what the... What the political, the, the savvy people on the left do is they go to Hollywood. They go to Hollywood and they're like, hey, listen, you know, we want this agenda pushed out there. Um, you're, in li- you're aligned with us, so go out and do it. And I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you why you can, you can clearly see this, is how many leftists have come out and said absolutely crazy stuff or done crazy stuff and they never get punished for it. There's never any political pressure. There's never any, they just go out and do it. And there's never any pushback whatsoever. But if you're a conservative and you come out and say one thing, you'll even get politicians weighing in on it because they understand, the left understands how important this is. And the right still, well, 
I say the writers and people like you and in the media who, who understand the power of that are talking about it all the time. But the, the people that really need to understand are the ones that move the needle, who have the, who have the means to move the needle. And we don't have any kind of sustained plan, like a 10-year plan about how this is going to go down the line, but they do. And as I said, you get to they're, – they're very, very smart about messaging. They're very, very smart about the use of words. And conservatives still think that the best ideas are going to win. You can't look at Ocasio-Cortez and tell me that the best ideas won there. Mm-hmm. You can't. She's a star. Whatever anyone thinks of her, that's the way they're looking at things. They, they, the culture – and you can see what they're doing with things like silly things like the rings of power or with swapping things in Disney. And what's happening right now is they're all bombing because people understand, again, I'll go back to the truth of something. They understand that a story is not true. There's something wrong about it. And, and as conservatives, we're always trying to get to the truth, right? You, you'd hope. We're always trying to tell the truth. We always want to be in line with natural law. And now is the opportunity to get out there and start making content that is in line with what we think, which is not outlandish. I mean, this isn't like political propaganda. This is just saying, hey, listen, a man and a woman can go and get married and have a family and be happy. Right? That's a revolutionary thing to put in Hollywood right now. And it's vitally important for, the, for, for us politically to do that as well, right? Um, we, we have to kind of show that. And it's not enough having just one entity like the Daily Wire do it. We have to have multiple entities do it. Um, and then that reinforces what, you know, as a parent, what you're trying to say, you go out you try and teach your kids morals and values, and then they go out in the world and they're like, I don't understand this. I, this isn't the world that I live in. I don't understand this world. And then it's reinforced by all these other cultural elements. So you're, in, you're not just battling a political uh, argument you're battling an entire movement with the culture as well. And that's, that's really difficult because, as you know, like teenagers, they just want to conform, right? They don't want to be the one that's left out in the classroom. I, I, trust me, I deal with that all the time. And that's really difficult when you're saying, kids, you shouldn't be on social media, for example, or, you know, I'm sorry, but we can't go and see that Marvel movie because there's questionable things in it. It's, it's really difficult. Yeah, because the cultural uh, pressure is tremendous. So, you know, you're right. We do have to generate more of this content. Um, the good news is we, we have actually gotten serious on our side, um, at least to some extent, about doing that. So you mentioned Daily Wire. They're doing some phenomenal stuff. And now we've got Angel Studios uh, creating great things like the series The Chosen, which is absolutely phenomenal. They did Sound of Freedom. Uh, that film brought in well over $100 million and I think turned a lot of heads um, in, in uh, Hollywood. But again, Rome wasn't built in a day, so we got to start somewhere. But I think more and more conservatives, more and more regular Americans who aren't even that political, just see the power now of their own pocketbook 
and we're feeling our own power now. And even when you take a look at some of the um, organic boycotts of companies that have gone totally woke, whether it's Coca-Cola or Target or Disney or you name it, we, we have actually now, with the power of our own wallets, inflicted real damage on them because they have gone woke. They don't represent our values. And while we may like and enjoy their products, we don't necessarily have to put our money there. We can find alternatives. We're starting now to build out an alternative economy with things like Public Square, which is sort of the the Patriots version of Amazon with more and more uh, uh, patriotic businesses joining there so you can find whatever you need on that website. We are building out alternatives, but it is a long process. And when it comes to the culture you know, Matthew, you are exactly right because especially, you know, like your kids, they're being bombarded, not just with the messages from Hollywood, but also on social media, like every direction they're getting hit with contrary points of view from what you and your family are trying to, to offer them. It It's like, it's like pushing the boulder up the hill, but we do have to start somewhere. And while Sound of Freedom did not earn as much as, say, a Marvel movie, it still earned well over $100 million and it sent a real signal. And that's something that we should be building on, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and the, the frustrating thing, I think, for those of us that are in the industry is we will go out and we'll speak to people who have the means to be able to make this happen. And, you know, people will point to sound of freedom. I'm like, but what was the one before the sound of freedom, right? Like that's the sound of freedom was amazing because what they did was they, and I know the guys who did that, um, they delivered something that people wanted to see shock horror, right? Marvel is actually, I mean, you'll see this on the, um, the Marvels, what they're coming out. That, that movie, the Marvels, is going to cost them so much money. Like that is, it's going to be a real hole for them. They're going to lose about $300 million. Right, that's a lot of money. Mm. Um, but, but we need to, it needs to be sustainable. We can't have like one film and then wait four years for another one. That's the difficulty. And the problem is as well, there's a ton of people out there that don't want to be in that industry in Hollywood anymore. They want to be out and they want to be making decent content. Like I said, it's not even conservative content, right? It's just good stories that haven't been welcomed, that haven't been changed away from their original. I had a I had an amazing conversation with um, C.S. Lewis's son once, Doug Gresham, about uh, doing um, – the line, the witch in the wardrobe. And he said that at one point there was a script given to him and it was based in LA. And I'm like, why would they do that? <laughs> why don't they just do the movie of the book? And there is that kind of thing in Hollywood where, and we've seen this a lot now, and this is part of the problem is they think that anything that came before them is not good, right? That they know better. And so, again, like I said, it's, it's a real, real opportunity for us to hone in on that and make a difference in the culture. And we can do it because there's a market for it. And so, yeah, Angel Studios, what they did with The Chosen, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that was a really unbelievable production. Uh, same with Sound of Freedom. I know the guys that did that. And there's no end of this stuff. And people love it. They, that's what they want. Look, I know 
coming from the UK, all the movies that I want to watch, right? Like all the films that I love, like, you know, I think I'm probably, I mean, there's no more, there's no bigger American dream story than me growing up watching Rocky and Rambo and then 25 years later starring opposite Stallone in Rambo. I mean, that is, that is the absolute American dream, right? I don't think that could have happened in any other country in the world. And that's why I'm, I'm so grateful for this country. And, and again, you said about me standing up and talking about things is because I know what it's like not to have this country because there was a time when it wasn't mine. Right? And now it is. And I want to fight for that because I, I, it, sometimes it's difficult when you, know, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. Right. And I didn't have this country. Now I have this country. I'm a citizen of this country and I love it. And it's worth fighting for. You know, the American values um, resonate all over the world. And when we stray away from that, when, when America isn't strong and when America isn't saying who it is, and what it is and what it stands for, you see the rest of the world turn to chaos, right? There's, yes. You just do. You see things start falling apart and people go, well, why is that? And a lot of Americans don't realize from the outside that people are watching. You know, they, they might say in their, in their press, you know, their releases of the countries, how much they, you know, America's the great Satan and, you know, America's this and America's that. But really, it's, I always say it's like the kid on the block that has all the toys, Right. Some kids will go, well, I want to go in there and I want to smash all the toys up because I don't have them. And then the rest of the kids are like, I really want to go there and play with those toys. Will they let me play with those toys? And I fall into the latter category. And because you're so talented and because you've worked so hard, you coming from a different country could actually experience the American dream. And it's something that you're passing down to your children and ultimately your grandchildren someday as well. And there's no other nation on earth that can provide that kind of opportunity. That's why we fight for this country. You know, in our final moments here with you, uh, Matthew, you, you are a proud conservative. You're a proud American patriot. You love this country, as you say. You're very outspoken on Twitter and social media. Um, you supported President Trump. You were outspoken during COVID, you know, railing against the lockdowns and the experimental mRNA shots, especially in Hollywood, where they were forcing people to take this in order to work. What has the backlash been like for you in terms of your career? Well, I mean, obviously I couldn't work. I mean, that was the the first thing. I couldn't work because SAG put out those requirements. So uh, I had an incident where I got offered a job. And I mean, this is after most other production companies had dropped their their requirements. It was just really, really silly. As we all know, right, it was really silly. And, and they kind of, the, the entertainment industry kind of hung on to it a little bit longer. So I didn't get that. And I actually did try and apply for a, um, a religious exemption. I was like, well, I know that that's never going to happen. So, I mean, yes, yeah, it's completely damaged my career. But I think that what is important in life, right, I don't want to be... You know, the, first, the last person in the gulag is the last person in the gulag. You're still in the gulag, right? 
And I think at that point, we were looking at the way things were going. I was like, this is just fundamentally un-American. This is not what I came here for. This is not what I believe this country is about. And sometimes you just have to say, this is the moment where I just say, I'm not doing this and stand up. And I've said before, it's not like we're storming the beaches at Normandy, mm-hmm. right? We're not, we're not 19-year-old kids that are looking out, going to be you know, slaughtered in a hail of gunfire, and we're going to go and do that for freedom, which is what they did. Um, so I just considered that to be my little way of, of pushing back because I didn't come here to have America turn into Europe. So as far as work's concerned, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really affected me because it's like anything that it, even though people don't want to admit it, if you, for the most part, now there are some hippies that, you know, hippie kind of people, you know, that didn't take the vaccine because, you know, they're very organic and all that. I used to make fun out of the people that were like, you know, I need to go and get my organic carrots. Can I go and get my third booster? You're like, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't really make sense, right? Like, so, so I think that the truth is, is that if you did not take the vaccine, that was another way of saying that you were a conservative. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the truth of it. And I, I had someone tweet me about that and they just absolutely proved my point, you know, that, that it was, in my opinion, it was used to, you know, weed out a bunch of people. I know that uh, I have a couple of friends of mine that were, that actually wouldn't take the vaccine and, and they were kind of quizzed when they were on set, you know, like, so what's going on with this? Will you come out? And so it's not enough just to say, um, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. You have to validate everything. Right. It's not enough to just get on with your own life. And they felt a lot of pressure. And so, as I said, I mean, you know, I was outed by the Huffington Post years ago as a conservative and um, even though they never asked me anything about my beliefs or anything like that, but that, that's another another thing. So when COVID came around and they were locking people down and they were saying that you have to do this and you have to do this for your children, I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna if I lose everything, I don't care. I don't care. It's worth it. It's worth it for freedom. It's worth it for. You know, when I became a citizen, I made sure that I read about the history of this country, and it, it really is utterly remarkable. And, of course, the Brits don't really tell you about the Revolutionary War. You know, I don't know why, but they don't kind of teach that for the most part. <laughs> so when I saw what, what, what those great men were willing to do, I mean, it's pathetic if you don't stand up for what you believe in, right? Yes. What else do you? What else do you have? Yes. Don't have your integrity. It's just unbelievable to me. And I look at my kids, and I'm like, "All right, your dad's been an actor. So what? What? What what does that mean in the scheme of things? What I want them to look at when I die, I want them to think, you know, what my dad was a good man, and he stood up for what was right when other people weren't." Uh, I just I couldn't imagine um, my kids looking and, and asking me that question like, Dad, what did you do? Like, you, you just complied. Like, I just, to me, that is just the worst thing ever. Um, so really, I think, like I said, going back to the pursuit of truth, if you pursue truth, you have to do it 
at all costs, right? And that, that that's what's important, and that's why whether it's pursuing a role uh, and building a character and asking the questions about the character—that's you know the genesis of being an actor. Uh, pursuing the truth of the story, and then that bleeds into you know, is there a god? Right? Is there really a god? Like, what is this all about? What is the meaning of life? What is the truth of of life as we know it? Um, what is the truth of can a man be a woman? Right? What, what, what is the you know? It, what is the truth of truly being free? What does that mean? Um, and if you pursue that at, at at all costs, I think that well, let's put it like this. You don't want to not pursue that, right? <laughs> because not to pursue that is to pursue lies and falsehoods. And you don't really want to do that in life, I think. I, I think that that's a bad thing. So, uh, And sometimes you're going to be persecuted for it and sometimes you're going to be lauded for it. But at the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow, are you okay with yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's... That's really the ultimate question, right? Can you look at yourself in the mirror? And then on your deathbed, at the age of, we hope, 125, you look back on your life and say, you know, did, did I stand by my principles? Did I fight for my family? Did I fight for human freedom, which is God-given? Did I do all of those things? Or did I just skulk off in cowardice? Because I didn't have it in me to stand up. You're doing all of that and more. Matthew, so there's no question in anybody's mind listening to this conversation, watching you on social media, watching your career, watching what you have sacrificed for America, for your family, for your country, your new country, your adopted country. There's no question in anybody's mind uh, where you stand, okay? And uh, God sees it all as well. Um, Final question or so for you, Matthew, what is your sense of... You know, coming here as an immigrant, coming here legally, becoming an American citizen, what's your sense of where America is headed? Are you optimistic? Do you think it gets worse before it gets better? What's your view? Um, I'm afraid to say I think it's not heading in a good direction. Um, I think that um, we're certainly on a downslope. But um, I do believe in the American people. I, I, I really do. I, I do think that American people are fundamentally good. I think that the people that are dragging this country down are a minority. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, look, I mean, nobody wants to see any kind of violence, right? Like nobody wants to see that. And I hope that that will change. And I, I do believe in, I do believe in the people that are the American citizens that are out there. I believe that they can turn it around. I really do. I, I'm, I'm always optimistic. The the founders gave us an amazing framework to be able to address these things. And the the wonderful thing about the United States is, look, I, I say this all the time, and I know it might seem difficult to people out there, but. I moved from California to a place that I knew that I'd be welcome. Sometimes you've got to do that, right? I know people sit there and they go, well, I can't do it. Well, what's the option? Literally, when they're going to put the, are they going to put the wall up and like wall California off from the rest of the, 
from the rest of the country. The, the founders put that amazing framework in place for us to be able to make these choices. And I, I think that although things look very dark right now, I mean, I personally, like I said, Monica, like I, I see these debates about who's going to be the Republican nominee. I'm like, I think you're debating the wrong thing. That you're going to debate whether or not it's going to be a free and fair election. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. To me, I, 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 I don't have any confidence in that. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, I mean, I saw when I was in California, I saw people at the gym wearing Trump shirts. I saw people driving up and down my street with Trump flags. I've never seen that in the 20 years I was in California. I never saw anything like that ever. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm afraid I do fall into that category where I just wonder where those votes came from, to be quite honest. And and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I just, uh, again, you want to know the truth, right? And, And I know that's anecdotal, but when I traveled across the country, everyone seemed to be, very happy with what they were getting you know all of a sudden you know the mean tweets didn't mean so much and they that that money in the bank account and their 401k going up and the stock market going bonkers and everyone was pretty all right with it and i knew people that were never trumpers that said that they that they were definitely going to vote for him the next time because of the economy um so i think that the bigger thing is are we going to get a free and fair election I, i very much hope so I really hope so. I think thinking that we're not is going to be is going to be a very bad thing for the country. Um, but do I believe that Americans can turn it around? I'm all, I think this this country is a can-do country. This country is a can-do country, and anything is possible with Americans if they want it. Well, the good news is, Matthew, that we have an army of patriots, including you and including me and everybody listening to the show, millions of Americans who are fighting to take our country back. But we've got to understand that this battle will be long and difficult, and we've got to steel ourselves for this fight and never give up. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, Before we really let you go, tell us about any upcoming projects, things that we can support to change the culture. Oh, well, I've got um, a movie coming out that should be coming out maybe next year uh, that I can't actually talk about much right now because I'm under an NDA. But let me let me put it to you like this. The people listening to this, to this um, podcast are going to be very, very happy with this movie. They're going to be very, very happy. And, you know, maybe if you'll have me back at some point, you know, when I get the green light to be able to talk about it, then I can come back and I can uh, give you a bit of an exclusive. Oh, I would, um, we but, would absolutely love that for sure. It's very relevant. Let's put it, uh, certainly about the things that we've spoken about today. So, well, we look forward great. to, we look forward to learning more and listen, I can tell you're out of entertainment because you just dropped that cliffhanger on me and the audience. You know how to deliver, <laughs> <laughs> you know how to deliver a tease, Matthew Marston. That is for sure. Well, you are such a valuable warrior in this fight, Matthew. Thank you so much for being here and for standing strong for this great country and for everything that you're doing to turn it around. Well, and I want to thank, thank you for being such an inspiration and people like you and the people that listen to this are the reason why I wanted to become an American. So thank you. Oh, well, God bless the great Matthew Marston, brilliant actor and American Patriot. Please check him out and support 
all of his projects, everything he's doing on the web. You can find him at Matthew Marsden, M-A-R-S-D-E-N, MatthewMarsden.com. And on Twitter, follow him there at Matthew Marsden. You will not be sorry. His Twitter feed is pure fire. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for me. What a big show today, right? Just unbelievable. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for checking out our great sponsors. And thank you in advance for joining us here on Thursday. We'll take a little bit apart the Republican debate, which is happening tomorrow night in California. Uh, We'll also talk about the uh, government shutdown and where we are on that. And Yanomi Park, North Korean defector with a real warning about where we are and where we're going in America. I will see you then. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Behakel Entertainment, LLC. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.